Welcome to Marquette Missionary Church. Here is today's message. Well, at this time, I'd love for us to get into the Word of God. Right now, we are in a sermon series called The Road of a Disciple. And we have been in this series for the last few weeks. And we are basically looking at Matthew chapter 10. And here in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he is saying, listen, I want to send you out to do the work of the kingdom. And we get... We really get this entire chapter, and we have just been breaking it down, looking at, okay, when Jesus sends them out, what does that look like? If we are going to be a follower of Jesus, if we claim to be a follower of Christ, then we are a disciple. Now, what does that road look like? If we're going to claim Christ, Jesus kind of gives us, I don't want to say like a blueprint, but we see Jesus send his disciples out and he kind of has some warnings for them. He kind of has some encouragement for them. And um, we're kind of taking that piece by piece here. So the last couple weeks, we have been looking at how Jesus sent them out. He said, listen, you are going to go out in the same power I have. You're going to go, you're going to preach the gospel. You're going to be healing people. But then Jesus also gives us a warning. This is what we, we uh, touched on last week. Jesus said, you are going to be sheep in the midst of wolves. Meaning, I'm going to send you out, and there's going to be danger. As a Christian, as a believer, and I, I kind of touched on this one last week. In America, we, we kind of have this idea that like persecution isn't really a part of our lifestyle. But as we look around the world, we have brothers and sisters who are following Jesus Christ, who are in deep persecution. And Jesus warned us here that, listen, as a follower of Christ, this world, they won't be friendly to you. This is not a friendly place as a disciple of mine. So, so Jesus gives us that warning. And last week, I really wanted to touch on uh, verse 22. And I'm going to give you a quick mini sermon here before we move on. Jesus said this. He said, you will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. There is this whole idea that as a follower of Christ, we need to endure. We need to persevere. We can't give up. Even in the time when when we are facing difficult trials, and difficult tribulations. So that I kind of wanted to touch on that last week. I don't know if you guys like know this, but when I'm preparing a message, I could go down like five or six different rabbit trails. And sometimes, as you guys know, like in my sermons, I sometimes do. Um, but I just wanted to give you that snippet of information. So this week, we are continuing on. Jesus is reminding his disciples this week who they are to the Lord and the task at hand. Last week, Jesus said, yes, the road will be difficult. You will be coming up against evil men, but, and if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 20, or Matthew 10, verse 26. And I'm going to ask for us to stand at this time. I think that it is good for us to uh, sometimes change positions, and especially when we are reading the Word of God. So Matthew 10, Verses 26 through 33. So like I said, Jesus had just warned them about these evil men that are going to come up against them. Verse 26, he says this. 
So do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge, acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Let us pray. Father God, as we look to your word today, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come and that you would minister to us now by your Holy Spirit. God, we desire to hear from you today. Father, I thank you that you care and love your children. And Father, I thank you that we can gather and seek you today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated here this morning. So, like I said, last week Jesus had warned them about this difficult situations and persecutions that will be coming. And with that in mind, we look at this, at these next words in verse 26. And I want to just kind of re-hit on these first three verses, and then I'd like to just talk about them today and go through them verse by verse. In verse 26, Jesus says this. He says, do not be afraid of them. You are going to be sheep amongst wolves. He just said that previously. He says, but don't be afraid. For there is nothing concealed, and this is verse 26, that will not be disclosed or hidden, that will not be made known. Verse 27, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus is reminding his disciples about the nature of evil. Jesus lived in a time when the religious leaders, when the evil people of his time were planning to kill him. While Jesus was speaking these words to his disciples, the religious authorities were making plans in secret to kill Jesus. And Jesus is reminding them that the, that the evil that's planned in secret, it will be revealed. But we kind of understand a little bit of, of the nature of evil. Evil, guys, is always planned in secret. It always starts either in, within our own minds, hidden, But this is where evil starts. And Jesus is reminding them, like, listen, this evil that is planned against you, it's planned in secret here, but it will be revealed. You do not need to be afraid of them. And it is interesting that that, uh, evil is planned in secret. Have you guys ever thought about that? Evil, even within our own lives, we don't go on social media and share all of our evil intentions, 
right? Like, like, have you ever, like, read any sort of post saying, you know, I'm just feeling pretty angry today, and, um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm planning out carrying some sort of evil here. Now, psychopaths do do that, but the nature of evil is planned within secret. There is such a great example, and, and I, I do realize this example gets overly used here. Germany in the 1930s. You guys, I don't know if you guys have read history books, but I, over at Northern, um, I took a lot of history classes, and I loved, like, European history. I loved World War II history. But as you look at the history of Germany in the 1930s, when Hitler comes to power, Hitler doesn't announce his plan, right? He doesn't, he doesn't run on a campaign of what he's going to do to the people. He's not putting up campaign posters saying, just to let everyone know, here's my plan. Uh, there's this group of people that I don't like. They're called the Jewish people. Oh, and it's also black people, homosexuals, um, mentally disabled. We're going to group them all together. And my goal is to get rid of them. We're going to build some, some camps. We're going to work them to death. We're going to put them in gas chambers. He didn't run with that campaign slogan. If it would have been made known to the light what was happening within Hitler's mind and plans, would have never have happened. You know, it is interesting that, do you guys realize that even in the middle of World War II, the world still did not understand or see what was, what was taking place within concentration camps? It was not until after World War II that the world was finally revealed what was, what was truly taking place in that time. Now, we had some hints, we had some clues, but the evil Hitler planned, he did it in secret. And Jesus is sharing with his disciples here that, listen, there's going to be evil men in this world. They're going to plan things in secret against you. They're going to want to come after you. They're going to want to get rid of you. But Jesus reminds them, listen, anything that's done in secret, your father knows. He sees and knows what is happening to you in this life. He knows what is getting, what is getting thrown at you, what is, what is taking place against you. And he says, listen, it will be revealed. This evil that is coming up against you, your father knows, and he will reveal it. Now, speaking on things being revealed, Jesus kind of takes this similar thought, and in verse 27, he says this. He says, what I tell you in the dark, speaking of things being revealed here, speak it in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. So Jesus basically said, listen, this evil is going to be revealed, but as a disciple of Christ, what I speak to you, I want you to Reveal that to the world around us. There is a couple of different thoughts here. One of them, Jesus is reminding his disciples that as a follower of Christ, where do we get our message from? Have you guys ever like, thought about that? If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have given your life to Jesus and said, I'm going to follow you, where does that message come from? The message comes directly from Jesus. 
every single time, comes from his word. It is Jesus revealing himself to mankind. And Jesus is reminding his disciples that what they receive in secret from him, as they seek Jesus, he wants them to go and to proclaim that message to the world around them. Now, there is that one term there, rooftops. Now, I do like to give some cultural background within messages here. And when you hear proclaim it from the rooftops, I don't know how your mind thinks, but my mind um, gets very, very nervous and very, very scared. I personally hate heights. If you are friends with me, you know, like, I don't go beyond, like, two steps on, like, a ladder. So when uh, Jesus says here, listen, I want you to take this message, and I want you to proclaim it from rooftops, in our culture, this seems really weird. Have you ever seen anybody on, on a roof proclaiming a message? Maybe some of you have. I, I know within, like, my little neighborhood, it would be super weird. But in that but in those times, and in, within that culture, it was very, very common to proclaim and to give speeches and to give announcements from rooftops. Do you guys remember that one story where uh, some buddies lower a crippled man down through the roof? People within the Palestine area at that time, the rooftops were a great place to proclaim a message, to give announcements. It was commonly used. So when Jesus here is saying, listen, I want you to take this message I've given you, and I've given you it in secret. I want you to go and I want you to proclaim it from the rooftops. Jesus is basically saying, this message of me is not a message that should ever be hidden. Evil is planned in the dark. My kingdom, my message is proclaimed in the light. And as a disciple, Jesus is just encouraging them, saying, listen, don't be afraid of what's going on. God knows but the message I have given you, I want you to proclaim it in the light. I want you to go and proclaim it for all to hear and to be seen here. Now, Jesus comes, or Jesus continues, and in verses 28 through, through 31, I love this because Jesus starts off here by saying, don't be afraid, okay? There's this evil, don't worry about it. In verses 28 through 31, he reminds us why. Why should we not be afraid of the evil of this world that desires to come up against believers? I think that if we were in the Middle East and if we were um, followers of Christ in some of those Middle Eastern countries, these next verses would be verses that you hang on to with everything that you have. Verse 28, he says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. In verse 29, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head, he switches here, talking about the sparrow, and then he switches back to the Disciples Are not even the hairs of your head all numbered? So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, these evil men, they could, they could kill you. They could, I mean, that's what their entire plan is. 
I don't know if you guys know this, but in the last 120 years, we have had more martyrs for the case of Christ than the previous 1,900 years per numbers. And Jesus is encouraging them, saying, listen, they might be able to kill you here, but those are not the ones that you need to be afraid of here. You need to revere and respect and understand that there is one that can both kill you and send you to hell. That can basically kill you physically and kill you spiritually. The evil men of this world, they can only physically kill you. But that's not the end of your life. Because there's an afterlife. And Jesus is basically reminding them and encouraging them, saying, listen, don't be afraid of them. They, they can physically kill you. But there is one that's so much greater than them, and you should be respecting and honoring and be more afraid of the one who can both kill you physically and spiritually. But there's a reason why Jesus starts to talk about these sparrows. In verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? I've got a picture of a, uh, of a sparrow here compared to a pigeon. Now, I don't know about like you guys, but I've never sold a bird in my life. I've never been to a market that, that has sold bear, birds. I don't even understand the selling of birds. But once again, Jesus in this cultural context, he is using cultural things, cultural things that these people would have easily have known. Jesus talks about this sparrow. And Jesus knew that the sparrow is basically worthless to the people. He, I, mean, I mean, when you really think about a sparrow, there's not enough there to get meat from. I mean, I mean, have you ever like thought about that? Like, could you imagine trying to defeather or de-wing whatever you do to get meat off of birds? Doing that to a sparrow? Like, 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 there's nothing there. Like, they have no value. And within their culture, Jesus basically says, "Don't you? I mean, think about this. The sparrow. It's basically worthless to you." But Jesus says, "Listen, the sparrow. God knows every time a sparrow falls." God knows. And Jesus is bringing this cultural reference, something that is worthless to them. He is saying, listen, God knows and cares about that. But then Jesus flips it and points it to them. Don't you realize that every time a sparrow falls, God knows? But don't you also realize that every single hair on your head, God knows? Every little detail in your life, Every little thing that has ever happened to you, you have ever gone through, every sin, every greatness, everything God knows about you. God knows everything about you. And then Jesus ends it and says, don't you know that you're worth more than many sparrows? Like so he is helping them understand why they should not be afraid of this life. Why they should not be afraid of going through difficult situations, going against people that want to persecute you for your faith. He's saying, listen, the God who created you knows you and loves you. And you're worth more to him than many sparrows. You're worth more to him than things that, that you count as worthless. He is bringing it home and reminding them how much God cares and loves them in this moment. Because if you think about it, these are like some really crazy words if you would like step back and think about it just purely in like human terms. Think about this. You had been following this guy for roughly a year and this guy says, listen, I'm going to like send you out. But here's the deal. 
it's going to be really, really difficult. It won't be easy. This life, this road of a disciple will not be easy. So, so Jesus has been kind of like building them up to this point. You're going to face persecution. They're going to hate you. They're going to flog you. Don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because of who God is. Because of how much God cares. Because of how much God knows about you. See, there is this whole like comparison game Jesus is doing here. Yes, it will be difficult. But who God is and how God feels about you is so much greater than anything that this world can throw at you. When, when we as disciples of Jesus realize, and I think that this is so important, when we realize who God is and how God feels about us, it changes everything. And when I say like changes everything, it changes the very fibers of who we are as human beings. So many people know the phrase, God loves them. Everybody like knows that. Well, yeah, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells. Everybody like, like they have this sense and they have this knowledge that God loves you. But is it settled within? Because I believe that when followers of Christ really get and grasp the love that God has for them, it transforms everything. It transforms fear. It transforms how we think, how we process situations we are willing to walk into, times when we are willing to speak up. Because when you realize that how much God cares and loves you, the fear in our life becomes transformed. It's no longer, oh, I don't, you know, what are people going to think about me? What are people going to say if I talk about Jesus? What is a professor going to do if I say, you know what, actually, I do believe in this creator? That fear that we have, people, of mankind can disappear. And I truly believe that as a disciple of Jesus, when you recognize how much God cares about you, when you realize how great he is, as you look around and as you walk into different circumstances, the fear of what, of what man can do, you're like, what can man do? Kill me? Like, say, like, is that, is that really the worst thing that can happen on this side of heaven? And yes, I mean, like, that is a serious thing, and that is bad. But Jesus compares that and says, listen, this God, he's so much greater than that. And he loves you so much more than you can even imagine. Turn with me to 1 John. And I'm going to preach on these verses probably more than what I should. Because I believe that this is the, something changes within a believer when they grasp this. And John points this out. 1 John 4, 17. Jesus says this. He says, This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. I want to just pause it right there. We know as believers that God talks about this great, this great judgment day, that everyone will be judged. Mankind, believer, unbeliever, there will be judgment upon this earth. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence. Think about that. Think about what John is saying here. You will have confidence 
on the day of judgment. Imagine it's all over. You're gone, and I'm not trying to like scare you into like heaven here. But imagine this life ends, and you're on your deathbed. And you have confidence on what's about to happen. You have confidence in the day of judgment. The reason why you will have confidence is because you understand these next verses. He says this. In this world, we are like Jesus. In verse 18, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. There is this concept that when you recognize how much God loves you, and you realize that how much God is actually for you, and he's not just a God waiting to condemn this world for their sins. Yes, we deserve punishment. Yes, we deserve all of that. But this Jesus stepped into time to take the punishment, church, for us. He came to take the punishment that is deserved to us on himself on the cross. And as Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's trying to get them to understand that this God is so much greater than any evil or anyone else in this world. And that you as a disciple of Christ, you should not fear what this world can do. And I think that this is so important for us to really, really grasp here because I see so often the most limiting factor to churches and to believers is fear. Why don't we all move to the Middle East? I can tell you the number one reason. Fear. Why don't we proclaim Jesus every opportunity? What are they going to think? What are they going to say? Maybe it'll, it'll make them feel uncomfortable. It's fear. Fear dictates so much within our lives that we don't even realize it half of the time. But as a disciple of Jesus Christ... He looks at them and he says, do not fear. That this fear should have no place in your life. Don't fear what mankind can do to you. Don't, don't fear it because of who God is towards you. That this God who loves you, who created you, who knows all of your shortcomings, all of your faults, sent his one and only son Jesus to this earth that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have ever lasting life. And we do know this, that throughout church history, I don't know if, if you guys recognize this, but the disciples that Jesus is speaking this to, everyone except for John died a martyr's death. Well, and Judas, but Judas, he's like the, you know, he's the like child that like nobody really, really wants here. <laughs> Every single one of these disciples disciples lived out these words. They faced evil men. Some of them were hung upside down on a cross. Some of them were stoned. Some of them were speared. They lived out these words because they had this understanding and they had like their faith completely transformed. It was just like, yeah, I know Jesus loves me to this Jesus loves me more than anything else on this earth. And I'm willing to give anything and everything for him. He tells me to proclaim him, I will. 
He tells me to follow him, I will. It doesn't matter where God leads me. God, if you want me to go to the most dangerous parts, to the inner cities of, of this country and proclaim you, I'll go. Because they, they recognize that fear should have no part in their life. And as a disciple church, we need to be there. We need to be men and women who follow Jesus, who do not live in fear of mankind, but just say, Jesus, wherever you send me, whatever you want me to do, whatever conversation you want me to have, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to maybe go out on a limb. And it will be awkward at times. And there will people that will reject you, that will say, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I've had those conversations. It's a little bit disheartening, but it's all worth it. Because this Jesus sends us in the last two verses today, before we, uh, before we end here. Verses 32 and 33. He says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But there's a flip side. There's a warning here. Verse 33. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Church, you are loved. You are loved more than you'll ever realize. And Jesus commands us here, and I know I touch on this constantly, but Jesus commands us here. If you tell the world about me, if you acknowledge me before others, on that day, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. On that day of judgment, Jesus will say, that one's mine. He acknowledged me. She acknowledged me. But Jesus gives this warning to them. But whoever disowns me, whoever doesn't acknowledge me, whoever is living in this constant fear of, I don't know what could happen, I better not say it. On that day of judgment, Jesus says this, but whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Church, we have one job, and that's to proclaim Christ. And I know I say that every single week, but Scripture just keeps bringing and keeps coming right back to it. Our job as a disciple of Christ, the road that we are on, is to acknowledge and tell this world about Jesus. From the rooftops, in all circumstances, everywhere we go, we need to be praying and looking for opportunities to share the message of Jesus because this is the greatest message of all times. And as we look at our current culture and at our current circumstances, how can we not realize this message is needed now more than ever? We see the evilness of this world. What's the cure? Some people think it's social programs. Some people think it's, we need to be doing more of this. We need the message of Jesus Christ to transform lives that will take a broken heart and a beat up heart and transform it. And they will know that they are loved and they are, and they are cared for. And it's our job, church, to bring that message to this world.